0: All the great
1: loves of my life have had some kind of Prince trait. Big, pretty eyes, or a sexy little face mole, or an undeniable sex appeal that ruined me. My first boyfriend was short and wiry like Prince. We met when we were 14 during the spring semester of our freshman year. By the spring semester of our sophomore year, I just knew I'd love him forever. Everything I knew about love came from romance novels and Prince music, So when it came time to express my devotion, I turned to the purple one. My mom had given me an old pair of her gold hoop earrings that reminded me of what Prince wore in his right ear in the video for I Wanna Be Your Lover. I slid one hoop in my right ear and gave the other to my boyfriend. I told him it would be like he was always a part of me and together we made a pair. Ew. Gross. Really, I just wanted to look like Prince in some small way. Prince was much more flamboyant than my personal taste, and I never wanted to dress in his androgynous style. Most people think of frills and lace when it comes to Prince, and he even admits his passion for fine attire and the 1987 slow jam Adore when he sings... I'd like to think I'm a man of exquisite taste, hundred percent Italian silk imported Egyptian lace. Frills and lace were never really my thing. As a child, I often pushed back on my mom trying to make me a girly girl in shades of pink and lots of cotton candy dresses, but the way Prince expressed his femininity appealed to me. Prince often wore things I wish I could, like his burgundy fedora in the video for When Doves Cry. It had a piece of black lace that covered one side of his face with a flourish of white along its edge, and even though I was only 7 years old when I first saw it, I'm pretty sure it jump-started my puberty. In the video, he wears a pair of very well-tailored, high-waisted, gold brocaded pants in a paisley print with white buttons prominently displayed diagonally across the fly and a matching bolero jacket. I knew I could never pull anything like that off. I don't like a lot of attention to my clothes because that brings a lot of attention to your body, and people have been assessing my body since elementary school, but I still wanted that fedora. When he puts it on in the video and walks down a set of spiraling stairs, he has so much swagger. I remember pressing my hands to my chest to hold in my heart. I think if I had that hat, I would put it on and instantly become sexy. You can keep your cloak of invisibility. Give me Prince's fedora. I wanted his energy, his confidence in his body. Prince had so many iconic looks. My favorites are mostly in the run from 1986 to 1992. Of course, there was his bare midriff look of Kiss from the Parade and Under the Cherry Moon soundtrack. I love that look so much especially when he would take off the little crop top and then his like little hairy chest would be exposed and his flat little belly I just wanted to bite it I just I still want to bite it then there was every the fur and peach glasses phase of sign of the times and he would wear these and then in the there room. was the polka dot era of the love sexy album especially the billowy turquoise blouse with like the high-waisted pants in the alphabet street video Fantastic mm-hmm. Patterns, mm-hmm. Like I love like it polka so dots much. and zigzags all these clashing patterns together I was like and how can you wear that you don't get with it and just be so pop, cool and confident collar collar in it of that all red I outfit. also really and the scandalous video from the James in the temple video from Graffiti oh Bridge, God. he is wearing thigh highs connected and to a then, garter. When he, really what in the leaned world? Into, like, Where did you get gangster, that? How did that? How Renaissance look of the diamonds, and pearls sins era. washed away, like, snow white or, like, shirt a that would be open halfway shirt shirt to his belly button, and again, just showcasing. All of that hair. I think a, a but then lot he of people would pop open his just shirt be, and you would see really his chest hair a and a he'd be like, I'm still a man though. I think that's what he was trying to get across. I don't know if that's true, but that's just my impression. Regardless, I love every last one of these looks. <sighs> There's just so much fashion to Prince. This is The Prince Mixtape, and I'm your host, Nicole Perkins. Prince once sang, I know how to undress me, but what did it take to clothe his royal badness? When Prince first started gaining attention, he shocked the world by wearing a trench coat, black bikini bottoms, and black thigh-high tights as his signature look. You can see this outfit on the cover of the 1980 album Dirty Mind and in the video for the lead single of the same name. When the controversy music video came out the following year, Prince had changed into an oversized white shirt and black vest, but the bikini and thigh-highs remained. By the time Prince sang The Sky Was All Purple, There Were People Running Everywhere and the dystopian party hit 1999, he'd added a purple trench coat and actual pants. Then, in 1984, the Purple Rain movie and soundtrack rocketed him to stardom, and a new signature look was born. Now, every Halloween, you're sure to find a Prince lookalike amongst the vampires, ghouls, and sexy pizza slice costumes. You can throw on a purple jacket, a white ruffled shirt, some black eyeliner, and voila, you are Purple Rain Prince.
2: His style was iconic, but at the same time, I think, very elegant, not just bizarre.
1: Meet Marie France, a bold French woman and costume designer who worked with Prince in the 1980s, starting with Purple Rain. When Prince performed the title track in the movie, he stepped on stage wearing a satin-looking purple trench coat, a white long-sleeved button-up shirt with a high neck and a rush of ruffles spilling from the collar down the chest and black, skin-tight pants. His hair was an artful mess of curls swooped to the right side to crest over his face. That crisp white shirt is the only time I've ever wanted to wear anything so frilly. I thought it was poetry. Marie France was instrumental in creating that look, but their collaboration almost didn't happen. She was initially hired to just create the costumes for the women in the film. Prince had other designers working on his looks.
2: Prince had some designers who had worked with him on his concerts, but they were not familiar with the filmmaking. And as I got on board, I realized that they are not, prepared. Certain fabrics they were using would not work well. So I went to the director, told him that with a few weeks we had left before shooting, nothing would be ready. And I told him I had some ideas. And then the director said, well, I want you to meet Prince.
1: All of a sudden, Marie found herself in front of Prince and she made an immediate impression.
2: When I first met him that morning, he was looking out the window. And the first thing I said was, I'm here to do a great film. I don't want to do a lousy film like Elvis Presley did. And he jumped and turned around. I think I really caught his attention at that point. Uh, I think he he wasn't used to people speaking their mind and being so frank, you know.
1: After that, Prince was all ears as Marie presented him with cutouts from magazines and ideas for what the clothes in Purple Rain could look like.
2: That's when the director said, well, why don't you sketch something? Tell him about your shirt.
1: Marie was already a Prince fan before she came on board. She was familiar with some of his previous looks, and she had some notes.
2: He sometimes wore this uh, tuxedo shirt which had the little ruffle on the side, but I thought it was not romantic enough, that it was too ordinary. So that's when I did a quick sketch for him there of the shirt with a ruffle, more like a 18th century nobleman. And he liked that. And that I could see right away, he And I think that's when he told the director to use me to add design to the film.
1: That 18th-century nobleman twist became a signature Prince look after the film's release. Ask anyone to picture Prince in their mind, and he's probably wearing that shirt.
2: I think it was a surprise how it took off after. You know, I thought it was perfect for him and the character he was playing in the film, which is close to who he was. But I never thought it would take over like that and uh, become such an iconic item. Iconic,
1: yet also fairly simple.
2: That was on purpose. In films, I don't like overcomplicated costumes. On a close-up, you don't want the costume to upstage the actor. And the emotion that the actor is expressing through the dialogue or through his actions. You want the acting to come through and you want something which is going to complement. You don't want the costume to take over.
1: The revamped tuxedo shirt was not the only show-stopping element Marie designed for the film.
2: The iconic look of Purple Rain with the Trench coat, the ruffled shirt, the pants which are gathered on the side. That was something I added to the pants he had before because the gathering gave him more extension when he moved, and uh, I thought that would facilitate, uh, especially when he was on stage. You know, so I think the one outfit that everybody kind of likes also is my favorite. <laughs>
1: As incredible as the costumes were to look at, they also needed to speak to Prince's character in Purple Rain. It's a rock musical about a musician who's trying to prove himself. But it's also about a man's complicated relationships with the women in his life, his bandmates, his girlfriend, and his mother.
2: I like the idea of the lace over the eye. I like the concept of mixing some of the punk aesthetic with the romantic aesthetic. I think that was what I was trying to achieve because as a character in the film, there is a romantic aspect with Apollonia. And then there's also something harsh about him sometimes, especially when he has the encounter with uh, Wendy and Lisa. So I thought the closing should reflect those two aspects of the personality. — Purple Rain became
1: an international phenomenon when it was released in 1984 and launched Prince into a new stratosphere
2: of his career. It did the same for Marie. It was my first big film, so I learned a lot. And I'm like very thankful to him uh, to have really started uh, my career in a way, you know? I mean, not totally started, but give it visibility. It changed everything for me. After the movie,
1: Prince and Marie continued to work together they hit the road for a 98-date concert tour for the album Purple Rain. It was then that Marie realized Prince had a slightly different philosophy when it came to handling precious fashion items.
2: I would go vintage clothing store, especially to get uh, vintage jewelry. And I found this amazing cut velvet woman coat from uh, the 20s. And I bought it, and I showed it to him, and I said, you know, either I'm going to keep it for myself, or if you are interested, do you want it, do you? and he loved it. And I said, you know, it's from the 20s, rather fragile, so maybe you should keep it for your regular life, but not wear it on stage. Well, of course, the first night, he wore it on stage and threw it on stage, <laughs> and so... If it was something he liked he would use it. I and mean, he was not like uh finicky about it, you know. It was to be used. What was it like doing a fitting with prince? <laughs> he did not like to be fitted. I learned that because usually when you design you do an outfit in a white muslin in the shape <laughs> that forget about that.
1: Normally, when a costume is being made, the designer cuts it out of cheap muslin fabric so as not to waste the silk, velvet, or whatever more expensive material the final piece would be made out of. But with prints, that would not fly.
2: He could not visualize what it would become if it was in a muslin. You had to do it in the right fabric right away. So if it did not fit, we would have to redo it just dump that one and redo it. And he would expect me to try on his costume and see how it would fit. I'd say, yeah, but I'm not made like you. You know, I have different shape. (laughs) You know, I mean, my shoulders are not there. He doesn't have breasts. I don't, I mean, there's other appendage that I, you know. So it was kind of funny in a way. Say, so what why didn't you try it on? <laughs> so it was trial and error sometimes. But uh, that's why usually we repeated always through the concert, the same shapes, but in different fabric to avoid The fact that since he did not want to do any fittings, they would have the pattern and we would repeat basically the same pattern over and over again. With some additions and, you know, until he went into a different style.
1: After the astronomical success of Purple Rain, the movie, album, and tour, Prince decided he wanted to make another film. But this time, he didn't want to just star in it. He also wanted to direct it. In Under the Cherry Moon, Prince played a gigolo in the south of France. Marie's approach to the costumes for this movie was slightly different than anything she'd done for Prince up until this point.
2: I think it was more of a departure. We were doing black and white. I was getting inspired by a black and white film from the 30s and 40s. I wanted something that did not have a certain period, like timeless, very timeless. Also, one of the things he liked was the coats from the 40s with a big shoulder, and he actually had a collection of them from that period. So we reproduced that, for example, in the white coat, which was actually made with white cashmere that I got in the south of France, which is the same white cashmere that the Pope used.
1: Wow, (laughs) that's incredible. (laughs) I know exactly the coat Marie is talking about. Prince wears it with his collar popped because he's so fly, but I didn't know it was papal. You know that's some good quality cashmere if the Pope uses it. Unfortunately, when Under the Cherry Moon was released, it was widely panned and mocked by critics. It was a huge flop and won five of the eight Razzie Awards it was nominated for, including Worst Film, Worst Director, Worst Actor, and Worst Original Song. Now I take issue with that Worst Original Song Award because the soundtrack is fantastic, every single bit of it but I can't say they were wrong about everything
2: else. To be honest, it's not a very good film. It looks fabulous. It's a great DP, great set decorator, production design. Um, It's not a great film. We were lacking a director. It's too bad. I mean, I'm very sorry because I think it could have been such a great film, but yeah. Yeah. I mean Prince is a musical genius but he's not a film director.
1: Right, right. I mean the soundtrack, the music was amazing.
2: <laughs> I love it, yeah. I mean I sh actually on one of the soundtrack I uh recorded with Prince. Really? Yeah, on uh, girls and boys. Is French. that you speaking French? Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> baby, oh, <our war. laughs> baby. <laughs>
1: I did not realize that. <laughs> yeah, that's me. <laughs> I took that song to my seventh grade French class <laughs> because we had to like bring in examples of French. And I played it for my French teacher and she fell in love. That was like the first time she heard it and she fell in (laughs) love with it. Basically, she taught us some French from this song, from (laughs) you. Oh my God, this is
2: amazing. (laughs) I got a call. Would I be available to go to the studio to translate some words into French? That Prince had written in English and um, I said yes. So I go to the studio. So I translated the words and then he said, and here's a microphone. And I thought, oh, my God, I had no idea. I mean, I thought I was there just to translate something, you know. So I do it. And I thought, okay, second take will be better. And he goes, thank you very much. He applauded, And that was it. <laughs> the whole thing took like half an hour.
1: That is amazing, because the lyrics are, I saw you from across the room and you danced so hard, I smelled your perfume. (laughs) This is fantastic. You have made my day. Wow. Oh,
2: I'm so glad.
1: (laughs) (laughs) After Under the Cherry Moon, it didn't seem likely that Prince would make a movie again, or if he did, that it would be any good. So Marie decided to move on to other opportunities that would let her flex her film costuming muscles. But she left on good terms. They always had a playful dynamic. Both Marie and Prince had distinct points of view and strong personalities. And whenever they didn't see eye to eye, they resolved the issue with lightheartedness and jokes.
2: I always told them also what I thought. If I did not like something, I always said it. And I remember one time he told me, he said, oh, French women, they always want to argue. But he was laughing. I mean, it was not a nasty thing, you know, and we laughed, you know. And then another time, that was towards the end of my work with him, I wanted to talk about costume for the next uh, tour. And he said, I don't have time or something like that. And I knew it was coming up. So I was a little uh, anxious about getting started. And uh, so I just told him, you know, as far as I'm concerned, you can go naked because, you know, it's your choice, you know, if you don't have anything. And it was really funny because afterwards he did that album cover where he's sitting among flowers and he's naked. And I thought, I wonder if I gave him the idea of, you know, not wearing any (laughs) clothes.
1: Yes, that was the Love Sexy album. It's got, like, purple flower behind it, and he's on a white flower. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Marie left a significant imprint on the look many of us associate with Prince today. But she wasn't the only one.
0: That's A-N-G-I dot com.
3: Not many people, if any, that I've known since have their own wardrobe department, fully staffed, fully functioning wardrobe department.
1: This is Stacia Lang, a designer who creates costumes for sci-fi, superhero, and fantasy films. She worked with Prince from 1990 to 1993
3: many people now will go to a costume shop. Let's say they're doing a tour. They have clothes made in a costume shop in Hollywood or wherever it may be. And Prince was really the first person that I knew that had his own wardrobe department. In fact, a lot of celebrities would come And musicians, of course, especially if they were recording there, and they would come up to the wardrobe department and see it. And I think it was a
1: source of pride. I mean, all of Paisley Park was a source of pride for Prince. Susan Rogers, Prince's former engineer, shared in an earlier episode that Prince was one of very few musicians at the time to have a full studio in his home. And now Stacia tells us how rare it was for someone to have their own wardrobe department. Prince has always been a little ahead of the curve. For Stacia, her passion for design and costuming came well before she found her way into Prince's orbit.
3: When I was a kid, I absolutely loved costumes. I watched movies, I watched television variety shows, The Sonny and Cher Show, Carol Burnett. I knew who Bob Mackie was, and I knew that I wanted to be a costume designer and costume maker.
1: In the late 80s, Stacia was working towards that dream in New York City.
3: I knew that that I needed to learn the fundamentals of making clothes. And so I was lucky enough to go to FIT in New York. And I started out working in Broadway, on Broadway shows and the ballet, New York City ballet. This is old world ballet making, tutus, the principles and techniques. And I learned things like gussets maybe under the arms, between the legs. I learned about giving dancers full motion through that type of piecing and also the types of fabrics that we used as well, silks, cottons, natural fabrics. And so I really did learn from those experiences in New York, the fundamentals of dressing a person who's moving and dancing. Looking back on it, I realized these types of things were very, very instrumental in helping me help Prince do his job.
1: New York was rewarding professionally, but Stacia was ready for a change. I
3: had decided that New York wasn't for me anymore. I'd had enough. I wanted to move back home. Actually, I'm from Minnesota, and I wanted to move to be near to my parents near my family, and I knew that I'd probably end up working in Minneapolis, but I didn't know exactly how. Enter a stroke of good luck. So very strangely, I was at a woman's home upholstering her couch. It was a job through one of the studios that I worked for. We were doing interior design. And I happened to mention to the woman that I was wanting to move back to Minnesota, And the very, very strange thing about it is that she said, oh, Minnesota, one of my good friends works for Prince. She knew Helen Hyatt, who was the head of wardrobe there at Paisley Park, and I could not believe it. It was this synchronicity, this unbelievable serendipity that happened that day at just a random place with a random person.
1: And then another dash of
3: luck. So I called Helen and they just so happened to need a pattern maker, which is another strange, strange, serendipitous thing that happened. And the people there, especially Jim Sharon, who was Princess Taylor, knew some of the same people that I knew in New York. And so through those people, they gave me a good recommendation. They said I was great and good to go. And so they hired me, sight unseen from New York, so very soon after that I was on a plane to Minneapolis to work at Paisley Park. And that's where I started my journey with Prince.
0: The employees in this room are hired to create and assemble all of Prince's on and off stage clothing. Is this for,
3: for Prince? Oh, mm-hmm.
0: so that's a Prince shirt. Mm-hmm. Not only all of his shirts, but also monogrammed stovepipe pants, lace vests, shoes, and jackets are made here. Who actually designs that?
2: We interpret here. Really, all designs, concept comes directly from from Prince.
1: That's from a CNN news story about Minneapolis. They had a rare peek inside the world of the city's most famous resident. It was a very social place.
3: A lot of fun happened in the wardrobe department besides all of the work that went on there. A lot of the band members would just come up and just check in, see what was going on. What was the latest news? What were the latest clothes we were making?
1: It was very exciting. It was an amazing time. Take us back to that moment when you first met Prince. What was that like? Do you remember what he was wearing at the time? (laughs) I do remember
3: that the first day that I got to Paisley Park, I was so curious. Prince hadn't appeared yet. I was in the wardrobe department meeting everyone. And I had asked Helen, I said, What is Prince like? And I'm sure she saw sort of the stars in my eyes. And she said, You know, Prince is just a regular person. And To this day, I agree and don't agree with that because, of course, in many ways, he is or was a regular person, but he was so unique, so different, acted different, looked different than anyone I've ever seen before. He was an extraordinary person, and of course, we know that, musical genius, His ideas ran from everything from the lighting. He would have ideas about the clothes. Uh, He was an avid reader. So he was an extraordinary person when it came to creating something that was not there. So the first time I laid my eyes on him, I remember he was sort of lingering at the edge of my table. He had a bunch of papers, like some files, and I was laying fabric out very, very carefully. It was silk crepe de chine or something like that. And I had just laid it out perfectly. He dropped the files on my table and all the fabric went fluttering. And he just made that look like, oops, sorry. And I said, that's no problem.
1: And so that's how we met. Stacia spent her first handful of months at Paisley Park as a pattern maker working under Helen Hyatt. Then Helen decided to move on, which left a few holes to fill. And here comes some more of that good luck again.
3: And she asked me, since I was a sketch artist, not only a pattern maker, but her sketch artist at that time, she asked me if I would be interested in being Prince's designer. And if we showed him some sketches of mine, perhaps he would agree that I would take over the design aspect of her job. We showed him my portfolio. I did several sketches for him. He apparently really loved them because one of his associates came in and said, oh my gosh, you should have seen Prince's reaction to these sketches. And he loved seeing himself because I sketched his face. I sketched his likeness in the clothes so he could visualize himself in the clothes. And so from that point on, I focused on designing. And I was able to design for him his band, which is the MPG, New Power Generation, and also some of his ingenues, some of the people that he took under his wing and wanted to kind of coach. And so I did some clothing and costumes for those people as well.
1: So tell me, what was a normal day of working directly with Prince like? I would get in in the
3: morning, and Prince hadn't arrived at that time. We would start our day by saying, okay, well, what are the approved designs? See, my process with Prince was I would make up some sketches. Sometimes I would go off of what he had requested, and maybe there would be a theme involved, My very first theme that he gave to me for the Diamonds and Pearls era was Barbarella meets The Godfather.
1: For those who might not be familiar, Barbarella is a 1968 sci-fi film starring Jane Fonda as a space adventurer in the 41st century wearing very futuristic outfits. And The Godfather is a 1972 Italian mobster film full of three-piece suits. I think he loved testing people
3: and finding out how much he could push us, how far he could push us to discovering new avenues for him. So when he said that to me, he also gave me the color theme of black and white. So not only was it Barbarella meets The Godfather, he said he'd like to see what I could do in black and white. And this was my very first sort of assignment from him. So I did use that old world tailoring. I took pinstripes and I looked for fabrics that would have a gangster theme. And we created what is called gangster glam through that assignment. And then I did small details on the garments like a little curly Q pointed collar, which you might see on a couple of the, I'd say, iconic garments that we did together. So we would do futuristic elements and details on these old world tailored garments, like, say, a wide lapel or no lapel, maybe some piping. I did one garment that had neon green piping on a purple ground with big neon buttons. So to me, that futuristic theme played out through quite a few garments that we did for him.
1: We have to be honest and acknowledge that Prince was kind of a control freak when it came to his art. But he surprisingly gave Stacia and the wardrobe department space to do their thing. His persona His clothing
3: meant so much to him. That's one of the reasons why I enjoyed being with him and and working with him so much. Funny enough, he left us alone in a certain way that maybe he didn't music-wise, you know, because he could do everything music-wise or almost everything. Whereas I think for a lot of people, making garments, sewing, creating something from a flat cloth to a three-dimensional garment— is a little bit mysterious in a way. So he gave us some leeway in
1: terms of that, and he respected what we did. Of course, Prince wouldn't be himself if he didn't put his own twist on the presentation of those outfits.
3: Maybe he would wear it exactly the way that I designed it, to wear with this shirt, to wear with these shoes. But sometimes he'd mix it up. He's wearing that with a red scarf or a red shirt, And it looks amazing. He would style himself to perfection. He also knew his audience. Let's say he was going out to a club. He knew exactly how he would wear and wanted to wear something to give a certain impression. So he knew himself and he knew his clothes. But Prince trusted Stacia's eye. Generally, I would design for him exactly what I wanted
1: to see him in. And most of the time, he would wear it. And in 1991, Prince had a very specific request. Stacia didn't know it at the time, but she was on the verge of designing a stage costume that still gets talked about over 30 years later. This was a
3: case where he was going to be performing at the MTV Video Music Awards, and Essentially, we were making things for him and we didn't know if he was going to come to us and request something. Well, he did. In fact, his secretary, she came to us one day and I don't know why he didn't come to us personally. Maybe it because it was such an odd request and it was so, (laughs) so, so strange. But she came and she said, okay, guys... This is what Prince wants to wear. And there were three things that had to happen. He wanted the rear end out. He wanted it to be yellow and he wanted it to be laced. So those were three non-negotiables. So as the designer, of course, you can have a concept and you can have someone's idea. But it takes a designer to actually design the garment. It takes the tailor to say, this is how it can be done. And it had to be an illusion. He was going to be dancing around, rolling around, even, and that garment had to stay on his body. Is there going to be a line going down the center? Are they going to be two separate holes for his rear end? What does he even mean by it? What does his rear end look like? How can we make this happen? And so it took all of us to brainstorm and say, okay, What lace do we have, number one? So we're going on about kind of strategizing, and we knew we only had a very short amount of time. What can we do? Is there a pattern that we can use right now that we have for the suit? Well, yes, there's a pattern. We'll do a bolero jacket.
1: Stacia and her team only had about a week to answer all these questions. Man, we cranked on that
3: thing, and I sketched a couple different ideas, one with more exposure, one with less exposure, Now, when I presented the ideas to Prince, that was something funny too because I was walking down the hallway with these sketches thinking, oh my gosh, what am I gonna say? How am I gonna say it? What is he gonna choose? And so I knocked on his door to his office and he was sitting at his desk and I came in and I said, well, hi, hi, Prince, I have your sketches for the MTV Video Awards. And he just kind of cleared a space on his table and we looked at the sketches. And I said, this one has more exposure, which actually I had all the way down the leg so that you could see part of his legs. And then the other sketch that I did had two little round holes <laughs> for his <laughs> little bum, and he just pointed to the one with less exposure which that's what we ended up doing with the two holes and it was just funny because he crossed out with a graphite pencil the one with more exposure and I thought well this is a guy with some modesty.
1: (laughs) Now armed with Prince's approval Stacia had to figure out how to take this modest look from sketch to reality.
3: So there was a beautiful white pure really heavy french lace that we had that we took right away to the dyers and we had that dyed bright citron yellow and also she had to dye up several fabrics that would create the illusion that his rear end was showing and eventually i chose a very very thin it was almost a net like a marcasette type of plain weave fabric for the illusion and with every little curlicue of lace around the rear end. Here was another crazy thing about fit. That's a garment that would absolutely need to be fitted on a body. You know, how much is really showing? Are little naughty bits showing that we don't want to show? Uh, We made sure that the front, even though it looked like a see-through garment of course in the front we had I think it was silk crepe de chine that was also his skin tone so that it looked like it was nude but of course there was full coverage in the front and from the back what can you see so that's a garment that would normally need a lot uh, maybe a couple different fittings we didn't fit it at all but he did try it on We were just going in at the nick of time. I was finishing up his shoes on the plane, though. And that was very, very interesting, too, because someone sitting right next to me saw me. I was being very discreet, trying to sew the lace on the shoes. But the gentleman sitting next to me said, would that be for the little purple man then? (laughs) And I just about died. I just thought, oh, my gosh, that's the moment when I knew That his shoes were iconic, absolutely, unmistakably Prince. I was so impressed by that. I thought, Mm -hmm. well, you can't hide that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) On September 5th, 1991, Prince and the New Power Generation took to the MTV Video Music Awards stage and performed Get Off. It's a raunchy club track with a rhythmic mechanical feel that sounds made for underground warehouse sex parties. Tonight, you're a star the performance started with fire and prince screaming collapsing to the floor and then rising up via a split a simulated orgy is taking place all over the stage because of course it is that's the nature of the song prince was wearing a yellow suit with intricate loops and swirls cut out all over Prince sang and did a little bit of footwork as he performed, always facing the audience. Then he gives a little twirl and reveals a brief glimpse of his assets to the crowd. They go wild. Prince swerves his butt around again a few moments later and really lets them have it while singing.
3: There was a lot of buzz backstage. George Michael talking, I think it was Cindy Crawford. It was mayhem. It, it was it was crazy because people just couldn't believe that that happened.
1: It was definitely a moment that was burned into my brain as I watched the performance live from my family's den, and I wasn't alone. One
4: moment that I just love that I, <laughs> I don't ever forget is the bootyless pants. The bootyless pants is something that I aspire to. (laughs) I'm like, I'm like, what a savage. Someone else who was also captivated was Black Lives Matter co-founder Alicia Garza. Just this bright yellow outfit with no booty in the pants. That's just so hot, you know, (laughs) it's just so hot. And then the fact that he like wore heels. I mean, this is where he developed like, a lot of pain, right, is from wearing heels and dancing in heels on stage all the time. It's not good for you. But the wearing of heels, right, wasn't just because he was short, which he was. But I think it was also like a big middle finger to all the crap that we put in these boxes around gender and, you know, how you can be and how you should be. He did not give a f- And he was the hottest man on the planet because he didn't give a f**k. It was like, you know, with Prince, it was like your imagination was tickled all the time because there just was not barriers there. The
1: day after the 1991 VMAs, the full power of that cultural moment began to trickle in for Stacia.
3: Every channel. I remember turning and a newscaster was talking about it and saying it was the Swiss cheese suit that he was wearing. So because <laughs> it was yellow and it had holes in it. And I thought that was pretty funny. I mean, sure, there was some little jabbing, you know, and and talking about it. But I think it was a great success story. He did what he set out to do. It was a smashing success. And I think it was quite satisfied with it. And we were, as the wardrobe department, very satisfied with the way it fit. It didn't fall off his body. I think we were generally happy with it. To this day, though, it's one of the high points because I feel as a costume designer and maker, when you set out to create something for someone that they've specifically asked for and you nail it, I think it's something to be proud of. It's uh, something that you remember forever, that especially. And seeing people do reenactments or tributes to that. I remember after Prince passed, there was a tribute a television uh, broadcast and a couple of the people, I think it was Janelle Monet and someone else had worn garments with the butt cut out. And I, I thought that was really cute and a great tribute to him. It's something fun that we can remember.
1: But the thumbprint Stacia left on Prince's career was much more than that one look. I
3: loved the idea that Prince would wear lace. And all through Purple Rain, of course, he wore lace, very fine laces. And he loved to show his body during that time. But when we got to 1990, 91, 92, he was wanting to wear more suits, more gangster glam looks. And my contribution was to say, yes, we have this silhouette, you know, wide shoulders, very masculine silhouette, but I want to reintroduce lace. And so I reintroduced lace, but in a heavier, more masculine way that would actually be a little peekaboo to his body. So we got to see his body through the lace, but in silhouettes, that were very masculine. And so I loved, did many, many outfits for him in heavy guipure laces, French laces. So I think people will remember Herb Ritz came to Chanhassen with Andre Leontali, with Vogue magazine, and they ended up shooting prints in especially one garment, and you see it all the time now, it's um very, very tight, high-waisted trouser jumpsuit with the lace sleeves, and it was all black. And we see Prince underneath a beautiful, huge, huge tree in the fall, blazing yellow tree. And so Prince is under that yellow tree, and that's an iconic photo. Also, Herbert's photographs are on the cover of an album, The Hits and the B-Sides, and Prince is wearing one of my garments, which I love. And I think Prince really loved it too. It was a turtleneck halter top with a Chanel chain around the neck, and so that's an iconic look as well. The diamonds and pearls, cream video. If you mm-hmm. if you see that, it's a very swirling black and white vest, and again a grid lace. It was still a French lace. It was uh, in the seven video. We cut out every other little square so I could see more of his skin. And I think he loved that. And on that day, he said, I need some I need some of that lace. Can I get some of that lace? And he made a mask for his eyes. He put that over his eyes himself. And that was what Prince did. He would invent on the spot what he loved. He loved masks. He loved masquerade. And he loved the mystique. And I think to this day, that mystique lives on because he didn't tell all, you know, like everybody does today. He didn't tell all. He kept some things private. He kept his feelings. He didn't overexplain explain anything. He just did it. And with the mask, it was very, very much an illusion and something that he invented himself.
1: I just want to let you know that uh, around this time, I was a, a teenager when you were working with Prince and the kind of curly cue cutout design of that era that you would have with like yes. the jackets. That was so important to me that I found an outfit for my Easter dress. It was a cream suit with a jacket and a, I think it had a long skirt. And I remember the shoulder pads in it and I found it and I was like, oh, my God, this looks like a Prince outfit. And so I was like, Mama, can you please get this for me? This is what I want to wear for Easter. And so I got that outfit. I love that era. I love the design. Um, so you impacted my <laughs> Easter. Oh, that, that is amazing. And that means the world to me. Thank you so
3: much for telling me that. I loved those swirls and I loved the designs that I felt added that certain feminine quality that he had and yet it was very masculine so thank you so much for telling me that
1: i love (laughs) it (laughs) i wore my easter prince outfit to church with that first boyfriend i mentioned earlier it was his first time going to church with me so it was a big deal and all i could think about was how i finally had some prince flair in my wardrobe I cannot believe I got to talk to the designer of that style. My teenage self is dancing inside.
0: This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching.
3: From the launcher online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at Shopify.com slash specialoffer. All all lowercase.
0: That's shopify.com slash specialoffer.
2: Hacks is
3: coming back, and so is the official Hacks Podcast.
0: With us, your hosts. I'm Paul W. Downs. I'm Jen Statsky.
3: And I'm Lucia Annello. We're the creators and showrunners.
1: Each week on the podcast, we'll break down the new episodes.
0: We'll also have special guests, cast, and crew from the show like Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart.
3: Hack season three is available
0: to stream now on Max. Be
3: sure to listen wherever you get your podcasts or listen directly on Max.
1: Like all good things, Stacia's time with Prince eventually came to an end.
3: This was just before he changed his name to the love symbol. So there was a lot percolating then. There were a lot of things going through his mind. And I think with every phase of Prince's style, there may be reasons backing it up or an album backing it up, different ideas, different concepts. So at that time, our relationship, it was time to move on. You know, we had done what we needed to do. I served the purpose that I was there for. And then I moved on, he moved on, and that's how
1: it ended. These days, Stacia works on big studio films like Interstellar and TV shows like Obi-Wan Kenobi. But the lessons from her time with Prince are still very much with her. I am very,
3: very familiar now, I think because of him, with working on seemingly impossible deadlines, working with people in all different personalities, all different walks of life, different characters. I think I'm more adept than I was before Prince at having compassion for a human being and saying, look at what this person is going through. I would be with Prince when he was walking through a crowd and hearing the things that people said to him. And so I have compassion for famous people who the crowds may be kind and generous one moment and then biting and backstabbing the next moment because they didn't get what they wanted from this star. And yes, they've chosen this life, but there's still things that we can give to them as their caretakers, as their designers and collaborators. There's things that we can give to them that I think they appreciate.
1: A lot of Stacia's work is preserved at Paisley Park as she goes back from time to time for a trip down memory lane. I've been back several times.
3: One time in particular was my favorite. I got to go with Vogue magazine and we looked through the archives and I got to pull out of boxes garments that I had done for him. It was like opening a treasure chest. And all the feelings that I had when I touched those garments are indescribable because not only is it time with him, it's my own personal journey. And that was extremely exciting. They've done a beautiful job in preserving the clothes. And I love to be able to help in saying this little detail belongs here. This is what that means. So that was one of my favorite times. I've also been back to look at the shoe exhibit and to do an interview about that in my time with Prince. So I'm very involved there, and i'm I'm happy to be involved.
1: And when it comes to preservation, recently, there was some discussion about making sure that iconic, outfits of our celebrities and historical costumes stay preserved and they're not to be worn after that. And I'm wondering, how would you feel if you saw someone make a play to try to wear one of Prince's outfits as an homage, as a tribute still, but how would you feel about that? It,
3: it would not sit well with me at all. The Kim Kardashian stunt with the Marilyn Monroe dress, to me, was an absolute tragedy that should never, ever have happened. That garment is a cultural treasure. And just like with Prince's garments, they're cultural treasures. They have his scent. They have his body oils. They have his spirit in the clothing. If someone wears that, to me, it breaks the magic. Not to mention that it can ruin the garment. So I find it appalling that someone would try to squeeze into a garment, especially something like Prince. I mean, Prince was a very, very, very tiny person. For someone to be able to even have the permission granted to get into a garment like that is just not not something that I would accept lightly. Do you have a favorite memory that you can share? I have a lot of favorite memories, but seeing him for the very first time in a garment, walking out in front of, let's say, his band, of course he was trying it out, you know, and seeing what the reaction would be. And so they would hoot and holler and just clap. And everyone that happened to be standing around at that time would clap. And he would have the greatest look on his face of just pride and satisfaction. And for me... That just filled my heart with, like, my gosh, we we did this together. I was able to give him something that he loved and that he was proud of. Those are my favorite memories.
1: As Prince grew older, like most of us, he covered up more and wore looser-fitting clothes. But he remains impeccably dressed. He traded the crop tops and thigh highs for hooded tunics and wide-legged pants, but the swagger remained much the same. Marie France and Stacia Lane created a blend of styles for Prince—punk and romantic, gangster and glam, masculine and feminine. Even though Prince's style was much more elaborate than almost anything I would ever wear, I learned from him that I could be my own person— I never wanted to be a girl in pink, fitting into the world's expectations of me. And now, I'm a woman with red lips and nails, carving out my own path. I'll never have Prince's swagger, but I still think if I got even a duplicate of that burgundy fedora, I could pretend. I'll leave you with Prince singing about his own style in his song Pretty Man, which is basically an ode to how good Prince looks to himself and you'll get no argument from me. Next week on The Prince Mixtape, what inspired Prince to write the word slave on his face? The Prince mixtape is produced by CNN Audio and Pineapple Street Studios. It's hosted by me, Nicole Perkins. Our producers are Emmanuel Hapsis, Beandria July, and Natalie Brennan. Our managing producer is Aaron Kelly. Our editor is Darby Maloney. Mix and original music by Hannes Brown. Our head of sound and engineering is Raj Makija. And our assistant engineers are Sharon Bardalis and Jade Brooks. At CNN, our senior producer is Felicia Patinkin, and our executive producer is Abby Fintress Swanson. Nicole Pesseru and Jameis Andress designed our artwork. Executive producers for Pineapple Street Studios are Gabrielle Lewis, Barry Finkel, Jenna Weiss-Berman, and Max Linsky. Special thanks to Noah Camuso, Hannah Park, Katie Hinman, Tamika Balance-Kolosny, Sonia Tun, Chip Grabo, Anissa Gray, Frank Lomonte, Steph Garrett, Graham Duda, Andrea White, Lindsay Abrams, Robert Mathers, Lisa Namoro, Kira Posey, Jane Drinkard, Liz Boyd, John Dianora, and Dina Kleiner.
3: Now streaming exclusively on Max, a new CNN flash talk about the album that has Nashville talking, Call Me Country, Beyonce and Nashville's Renaissance. Watch it at max.com slash country. Max subscription required.